Thank you all so much for listening to the 13th episode of Life in 10 Minutes. It's been a while. This episode features Rosie Messer and Tim McCready. This is Life in 10 Minutes, and these stories are brave and true. I remember the very second I started being perfect. It was a long time ago. It began when my mother was in the hospital. I thought she went there to get a baby. At eight years old, that was the only reason I knew people went to the hospital. To me, hospital equaled baby. This particular day, my father went to visit her and I played outside. When he came home and called me into the house, I was making mud pies, putting them on the fence in the sun to bake. When he called me to come inside, I was dirty. So I didn't see any reason to rush, so I took my time. I washed off my hands, my dress with a garden hose. I hopped around a bit. I picked up some sticks to use later for something, and I walked to the house. Stepping up on the front porch through the open screen door, I heard one aunt say, I can't take her. I work full time. Then my favorite aunt said, well, I can't take her. I have four children already. My grandmother sighed and then she said, okay, I will take her if she will be good. I then learned that my mother had died and I would be living with my grandmother. In my eight-year-old mind and in my heart, what I heard was that to have a place to stay, food to eat, to be wanted by someone, I had to be good. To me, good equaled perfect. And so began my lifelong journey of striving to be perfect. Oh, I've failed at it. I've messed up. I've messed up a lot. I've given up. I've started over. I've made mistakes. I've made the same mistakes again and again. But all in all, my goal was always to try to be perfect. Then, about a month ago, well, wait a minute now, what day is it today? Um, To be exactly, it was six weeks, nine hours, and 45 minutes ago. I woke up, turned to put my feet on the floor, sat on the bed, and I gave up being perfect. I let it go. I took a deep breath, and I let it go. I can't begin to tell you how much easier my life has become. I've just moved to a new apartment, for example, and after two months, there's still boxes to be unpacked. Back when I was perfect, that never would have happened. I've had people over and they had to sit on the floor because I don't have a table and chairs. I say no more often. I say I don't know more often. Who was it that told us we had to know everything? I've stopped apologizing for being alive, a Southern female trait. I only say I'm sorry now when I've done something and I need to say I'm sorry for it. 
I have dust bunnies. I buy prepared food instead of thinking I have to learn to cook. I sit down and read for no reason at all. I change my mind. I make wrong decisions. I correct them. I wear makeup some days, some days I don't. I look really smashing some days. Some days I look like I just got out of bed, and I probably did. But it's funny when I think about giving up perfect. I'm reminded of a newspaper cartoon that came out, well, maybe in 1972. To be truthful, I'm not real sure when it came out. But I remember the series was called Freddie the Leaf. I read it every morning for several months. Freddie was a leaf, and he was experiencing fall for the first time. His brother dropped off of the tree down into a pile of leaves. His sister dropped from the tree into leaves. His mother, his father dropped, his friends dropped, his cousin dropped. But Freddie could not let go. He held on. He was afraid to let go. Even though all the other leaves had fallen, he held on. He held on through the November rain. He held on through the first snow. He was battered and blown by cold northern winds. He was oh so cold, but he held on until one day, for some unknown reason, Freddie let go. Whee, the cartoonist penned where Freddie the leaf shouted, wee, as he floated slowly down into a pile of, well, leaves. He was happy. He had let go. I have been Freddie holding on too long to what I know, holding on to something I no longer want, holding on to my 20s and 30s and my 50s and 60s, holding on to old things that don't work anymore, grasping the old and the familiar, fearful like Freddie of the unknown. Yes, it is scary, frightening even. I've had to let go of my youth, to embrace my aging, to embrace being at peace with myself. I've had to let go of old ways for better ways, better ways to live my life. I've had to let go of old friends for new friends. I let go of being perfect to open my arms, open my heart to being just who I am, a woman of a certain age who loves where she is right now and is excited about what comes next. But to be absolutely honest, right at this very moment, I have the greatest urge to ask this guy sitting across from me recording this if it was okay. <laughs> I said I was letting go, not that I had let go. Give me a break. I'm not perfect. <laughs> and then in my ear, I hear Freddie the Leaf, and I say, Wee! And I let go.
I was in the fifth grade. I saw the video for Peter Gabriel's Shock the Monkey, and it left me reeling. It gave me goosebumps. I had no idea why. Peter Gabriel, who was probably all of 30 years old at the time, looked geriatric in the white three-piece suit he wore in that video. And I liked monkeys. Why would anyone shock a monkey? That the lyric could have been metaphorical somehow was beyond my reckoning. Also, I didn't really care what it meant. All I cared about was that this old man, Peter Gabriel, had made a song with which some essential part of myself sympathetically resonated way down inside. Don't monkey with the monkey, he said. Okay, I thought, I won't. I remember feeling proud of having a favorite song. It was my favorite song, and only I had made it that. But once I had a favorite song, I discovered that I also had lots of opinions about other songs, too. In the middle of that fifth grade year, while the students were quietly working at their desks in Mrs. Beard's class, I heard a kid outside singing the Hall and Oates song, Your Kiss is on My List. I was the kind of child who never made any trouble at all since making trouble at home carried high stakes. But at the moment I heard that kid singing that song outside my classroom window, I stood straight up next to my desk as though I were an automaton, controlled by some unseen muse of song. And I shouted as loudly as I could, That song sucks! Mrs. Beard was perplexed. She asked me why I'd done that. I had no idea. She recommended that I not do something like that again. Mrs. Beard was very kindly. On the first day of school that year, she told us that if we were good all year, we'd have a big pool party with all our families the weekend before the end of school. That year, I had not just my favorite first song, but my first crush, too. It was on Allison Hanwit, with her hair like strands of unwoven copper wire and a face covered by massive constellations of dark freckles. All year, I imagined Allison and I diving into opposite ends of Mrs. Beard's pool and meeting in the middle underwater and interlocking the fingers of our four hands before sharing a kiss so chaste and pure that to remember it and to recall that it never happened can still break my heart. Okay, that about wraps it up for this episode. Thank you so much for going on this journey with us. If you'd like to be featured on a future episode, go to lifein10minutes.com, click on the podcast tab, and press the podcast me button. Valley Haggard is both the brains and the brawn of Life in 10 Minutes. Our original music is from Tim McCready. This episode was edited by me, Ben Crumwoody, and is a production of Pros and Cons. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. See y'all next time. And don't forget to write.